I always encourage people to use Monero. It's not designed to be an investment. It's designed to be used as currency, as a medium of exchange, as a store of value. And that's what people should be doing. You are listening to Bitcoin, Blockchain and the Technologies of Our Future with Naomi Brockwell. I'm here with Bluffy Pony at the Satoshi Roundtable. He is, of course, the lead maintainer of Monero. Thank you so much for chatting with me. I'd say it's a pleasure, but I'd be lying. Off to a great start. So he's a little bit angry because in a previous video where I interviewed him, I spelt his name Rick Rickarod uh, with three C's. It sounds like a porn star name, Rickarod. Rickarod Spanier. Like, don't you think? It, yes, okay. I, I guess. So um, it, it was a bit awkward for everyone. But now we're going to be talking about Monero. Uh, which apparently is some sort of scam that everyone is talking about these days. So, the, <laughs> what do you... It's the successor to BitConnect. The successor to BitConnect. Uh, this is going to be a very sensible interview filled with a lot of information uh, for people if they want to learn about, about Monero. But in all seriousness, um, so Monero is renowned in the space as one of the foremost privacy coins. And uh, how long have you been involved with it? Since the beginning, since it launched, I was one of the first miners and I was part of the group of seven people that forked the code base when the guy that created it or the guy that launched it ended up being a gigantic douche nozzle. Douche nozzle. You heard it here. Gigantic douche nozzle. So you're a fork of a douche nozzle. The code base was forked, not the blockchain. I was saying you in particular, but... Totally fine. Um, so walk us through, like, what did you make any changes to the code? What were some of the changes you implemented? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, since, since then, we've implemented many things. Um, so, you know, Monero is now almost five years old. And over the course of Monero's history, we've rapid, made rapid uh, improvements and vast improvements to Monero's privacy um, compared to the relatively weak privacy it had at the beginning. Um, and then just usability, you know, and the code as well. The code at the beginning was really bad in terms of its modularity, the number of comments in the code. So from a, a, a developer's, developer perspective, the code has vastly improved as well. Mm -hmm. Walk me through the privacy features of Monero and how it differs from other privacy coins out there. Sure. So Monero focuses on, uh, on five aspects of privacy. The first is it focuses on um, hiding where you're sending transactions, and it does this using something called uh, dual-key stealth addresses. The second thing is it hides tra where transactions are coming from, and it uses something called ring signatures. That's typically the weakest aspects of Monero's um, privacy because basically you're mi kind of mixing your transaction with a number of old transactions, and choosing those old transactions is really hard. Um, the third thing is we hide values, so you can't see the amounts, and we use something called confidential transactions. The fourth thing is uh, we um, have methods to obscure the IP address that first broadcasts a transaction, um, and so we support like Tor and I2P, um, and there's a, a lot of work being done at the moment to bake that into the protocol so that um, users won't need to opt into that, it'll just be you know uh, automatic. And then the fifth thing is we maximize the privacy set by making sure that privacy is the default. And you can opt out of privacy, so you can say, this particular transaction, 
I need to reveal the details to prove that it's my transaction. Uh, or this wallet, I need to give the details to an auditor. So you can always opt out of privacy, but the default is that everyone in the system is private. And that makes it a lot more secure because when you have unobscured transactions in a system, it just makes it a lot easier to track things um, by deduction, yeah. uh, essentially. So making that de the default uh, helps to secure the network. Absolutely. So the way to think about it is if you have a system with a million people, but only a hundred of them are using the privacy stuff, then your total privacy set is only a hundred people. Mm -hmm. yeah. So why did you get involved with Monero? Why did you choose Monero over some of the other um, coins that were in existence at the time? Good question. So the thing that appealed to me about Monero at the beginning was that it wasn't based on Bitcoin's code. So it was completely fresh. It wasn't just like someone clicked clone um, and off they went. Are you a Bitcoin hater? No, I love Bitcoin. Um, but what I was saying is that like all the copies of Bitcoin are just that. They're copies. They're boring. So the fact that this wasn't based on Bitcoin's code was exciting to me. And the fact that uh, it had similar values um, to things that I value, which, you know, privacy is one of them, was also important to me. So those are the two big things that attracted uh, me to Monero at the beginning. You hear the media talking about how Monero is one of the most favoured currencies for black market, for people who want to obscure transactions, for hackers, um, for stealth mining as well, and people's uh, computers. How does that make you feel? Well, the thing is, my personal feelings aside, because they're largely irrelevant, Monero is a permissionless network you can't control who uses it and you shouldn't control who uses it the biggest issue that we have with um, being painted into a corner like that is who decides what is good and bad you know I mean we can all probably agree that like murder is bad you know it's morally reprehensible but I mean there are times when um, when killing someone is uh, done in self-defense or done in the defense of others um, and then that line starts to get blurry. And it's the same with many things. You know, it's like, oh, well, like, are illegal, are, are, uh, what, a, what a government says is illegal, is that just automatically bad? Right. You know, I mean, what about someone in an oppressive regime, someone who lives in a, a country with a dictator and they go and use Monero to buy something? Yeah. Does that automatically mean that purchase is bad? It's the difference between like what constitutes a black market in America. A black market is drugs. In Venezuela, a black market is medicine and clothing and food, uh, things that people need to survive. Yeah, and I mean Portugal um, decriminalized drugs many years ago, and uh, and so what we consider you know morally reprehensible, bad, illegal is very different to what somebody else on the other side of the pond does. So it's I'm always cautious with. Um, Obviously, you know, when someone's doing something that, that is um, either morally reprehensible to me or is uh, an abuse of, uh, of power or an abuse of someone else's stuff, like stealth mining, um, I, find that, uh, I find that personally reprehensible. They shouldn't be doing that. Um, it's theft of somebody else's uh, resources. Um, at the same time, I'm very careful not to say that, like, you know, every transaction on Monero is automatically bad. I don't know what people are doing on it. I mean, it's the argument that people have when they say, well, what have you got to hide? Why? It's like, well, why do you, you know, why do you have a lock on your door? I mean, it's the same thing. It's not that you have anything to hide. It's this, you don't want people, you know, why do you have curtains? Because you don't necessarily want people watching you. Like, I don't have anything to hide, but, you know, it's better that they're just not watching all the time. Yeah. And I, uh, I mean, I used the example the other day that um, when you go to the bathroom, you close the door. 
especially a public bathroom. And you do that not because you're plotting to overthrow the government. <laughs> I am I'm going to the toilet to plot. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, typically, I mean, you might be doing that, but you might. Rule it out. But chances are you aren't. Chances are you're just going to use the bathroom. Yeah. Or like catch up on Twitter. Or catch up on Instagram. Um, so, what do you think the future holds for Monero? Like, have you guys got anything in the pipeline that people should be excited about? I think that uh, Monero is constantly striving to improve the privacy um, of the system for the users. I think that's very important. Um, and obviously, scalability is a big focus as well. Um, the Monero uh, Research Lab and the Monero developers are very excited about things like Mimblewimble and seeing how it can be applied to Monero. Um, the, uh, at the Stanford uh, uh, blockchain conference that just happened, lots of exciting things were spoken about and discussed, um, new research that people have put out. So these are all things that, uh, that the community um, and that the developers look at and that the researchers look at and go, is this something that can be applied to Monero? And perhaps it can. Um, but yeah, the aim is just to constantly improve that and make Monero as private as possible. I think that there are a lot of people at the moment who are talking about like privacy coins. Uh, it's telling people that they need to be careful, right? Because we live in a world right now where this is a threat to government. We know that it is. It's a threat to you know financial institutions. Uh, there are a lot of embedded interests that don't want these things to exist. So um, some people would say that well, if you use privacy coins, like we're in early stages, they're not completely secure yet, and you're basically adding a red flag to yourself, saying, hey, you know, track me I'm using this thing um, obviously I'm doing something illegal um, so I mean what do you say about like that are we still in early stages like do people need to be really wary about this stuff and just like you know make sure that they're they're being overly cautious so I, I would say typically that um, you know a lot of people that use privacy enhancing technologies are not doing so because they're doing something that is malicious or illegal um, in the case of something like Monero, I think a lot of people just want a private store of value, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and, and contrary maybe to, to what people might imagine, the more people that use this, the more of a forcing factor it is, because then governments go, well, we can't possibly um, you know, uh, ignore this. We also can't possibly prevent millions of people from using it, because that's just going to end up being a waste of time, money, and effort. So instead, what we should do is accept and embrace um, and then figure out ways of, of uh, maybe regulating within that space. So I think I would encourage people as, you know, bearing in mind that it's, uh, it's, it's still in its, early, in its early days and it's still like software that is, it can, have, it can be riddled with bugs. Um, so bearing all of that in mind, like I always encourage people to use Monero. It's not designed to be an investment. It's designed to be used as currency, as a medium of exchange, as a store of value. And that's what people should be doing. And that's, uh, you bring up a great point about um, the ubiquitous nature of cryptocurrency and how that's that our best safeguard. I did an interview with Francois uh, recently who talked about the same point and said, like, our biggest hope is that we get to a point where everyone is using a privacy coin, where everyone is using cryptocurrency. Because as you said, if the government is tracking everyone, then they're not tracking anyone. 
Absolutely. I put out a video recently talking about scams in the space, talking about the overuse of the word scam uh, as well. Now, you are not Bitcoin, and by definition, for some people, that means that you're automatically a scam. Um, I, Monero was one of the coins that I cited as an example to the people who were um, up in arms about this video as not being a scam. You know, the scam has a definite meaning, a very specific meaning. Um, and so I, I think that it's important important to look at projects that are doing interesting, innovative things, that are experimenting, that are, you know, are cutting edge and doing cool things. So what, what do you think about that rhetoric, that anything that's not Bitcoin is automatically a scam? Um, look, I mean, I've been accused of, of uh, saying that anything that's not Bitcoin or Monero is a scam. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe so you're part of the problem. I'm part of the problem, not the solution. <laughs> I, look, I think... Um, the, the biggest problem is that a lot of things that uh, that are not Bitcoin um, are indistinguishable from scams. They're either designed to enrich the creator or creators. Is that a bad thing? I mean, aren't most companies created because people want to create profit, create value for others, earn a living? Yes, I agree with you that that is, you know, that's capitalism. There's a difference between capitalism and things like hidden pre-mines uh, or, you know... I would say, I mean, if something is hidden, if something uh, is misrepresented, that's a scam. You know, I think that if you know what's going on, like a pre-mine isn't a scam. If it's like if people are deliberately being misled, uh, if things are being cloaked and not revealed, I think that is where you get into scam territory for sure. Sure. So the problem is a lot of this is surreptitious, you know. So it's like, okay, well, what we're going to do is we're just going to like announce it quietly on some sub forum on like the back end of the internet somewhere and then we're going to mine the living daylights out of it for six months and then people will get to know it and by then it'll be too late it'll be like oh but it was announced and fairly launched I mean, so you would say that there is a like gray area. There's this blurry line where it's not necessarily a scam, but it's not necessarily morally good behavior that's going on. Uh, so the product itself isn't necessarily a bad one. Uh, it's not necessarily ripping people off, but we do need to be aware, um, you know, that, that we don't have to agree with the practices of people. We can call yeah. people out for doing shitty things. Yeah, and I, I think I think the important thing is just like understanding that um, not everyone in this space um, is actually trying to build things for ideological motivations, that most people, um, myself included, are profit-driven. Absolutely, we all want to make money. Um, and that sometimes leads to people making poor decisions uh, when it comes to the way that they, they market things, the claims that they make about the security of their product, or the, the claims that they make about the privacy or whatever. Um, and these are things that, that are, they're natural, but also should be cautioned against. They're not gonna stop overstating things. They're not gonna stop shilling or selling snake oil. But we, as, uh, as people on the other end that are hearing it, can go do our own research and can really try and understand uh, the, the value of claims that are made by certain projects. What do you think people need to know about Monero? Why should they get involved? I think one of my favorite things about Monero is just that it is so decentralized and so grassroots as a, you know, as a movement. And it, it, takes a, it really does take a village. So people should not only want to um, get involved from like a using Monero perspective, which of course is great from 
uh, to, to uh, uh, build out the privacy set and enhance the privacy set. But people should absolutely want to get involved in other ways. There are uh, ways to um, contribute to Monero from a code perspective. There are ways to contribute to Monero from a translations perspective. Uh, even just getting on Reddit and being part of the conversation is a way to contribute to Monero. And these are all you know, part and parcel of just helping Monero grow. The more people, as we said, the more people involved in cryptocurrency in general, the more people uh, who are getting involved in exploring privacy coins, uh, the safer we're all going to be. And, like, how easy it is it for someone to use privacy functions at the moment? Like, do you have to be really tech savvy in order to make these things work? Or can the everyday person who wants to be more private in their transactions, uh, can they get involved as well? I think the, the Monero user experience has definitely matured. Um, on iOS and on Android, there are uh, multiple uh, mobile wallets. Um, I'm a big fan of My Monero. It's a project that I started. Um, I'm a big fan of this project I started. Yeah, I mean, like for obvious reasons. No, you know, I'm just sort of making sure that everyone knows why I'm a big fan. Um, but I think My Monero has done a really good job from a usability perspective. Um, it's only available as a, on the web and on iPhone at the moment, uh, but there is an Android uh, version coming. And it's super easy to use. It's all the privacy stuff is like handled automatically. There's nothing that you need to do that's technical from a user perspective. Well, there you go. Anyone can get involved if they want to, and it's not that difficult. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. This has been really great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Rick Harad. For extra material and any links mentioned in this podcast, please visit naomibrockwell.com. If you'd like to watch the video version, please visit Naomi Brockwell TV on YouTube, BitChute or DTube. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Bitcoin, Blockchain and the Technologies of Our Future.